We are in the fifth part of our Chooser series. And I'm very excited about this week. I get it. I know you like you get excited about every Sunday, and, and I do. But, but I'm really excited about this one because this gets down to the crux. This mic is in my face. And so uh, don't do that again, Ken. That's my son. My son led worship today. I was very proud of him. Yes. And uh, very proud of him. Uh, but choosing is, is what we do all day, and our lives are built on our choices. You're here because of a choice you made. You decided to not grab the covers and roll over and enjoy this snuggle sleep weather. You made the decision to get up, get dressed, and get here this morning. Your life is built, and all pieces of it are built on our choices. And I really believe that while we are breathing oxygen, while we are still here, here and now, that understanding this scripture that we've been focusing on, and we'll look at it again and close it up next week, is so incredibly vital. Deuteronomy, well, let's go ahead, I'm jumping ahead of myself, that we have the power of choice. And as choosers, God wants us to choose life. God wants us to win. He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. That's, the, that's what this is all about. And Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. See, we live in a unique time of human existence. And I know you're like, well, what? This has kind of always been this way. No, it hasn't. We, we take our Bible seriously. And for those of us that are believers, maybe you're, a, maybe you're a skeptic here today or you just got drug here and that's fine. But for us that are believers, we take the Bible serious. And we understand that there was a time prior to our having a sin nature. And Adam and Eve lived in the garden. They were real people. They lived in the garden and they existed in a realm of nothing but good. Saw only good. Health, blessing, everything, provision, everything that was, we were supposed to be. Honestly, it looked a lot like on earth as it is in heaven. Kind of that prayer we're supposed to pray. But evil existed, but they were separated. And then they got tempted and took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden an awakening took place in humanity. That now we realize, wait a second, there both of these exist here. In our mortal existence, we have access to both. And on the other side, again, those of us that, that take the Bible seriously, we understand that, that after death, then there's, we're going to be in one realm or the other. We're going to either be in the realm of life with Christ, where that's where God wants everybody, or we're going to not believe that Jesus really did what, he, what the Bible tells us he did, and we're going to reject him, and that's the only reason anybody goes to hell, is rejecting Jesus. Jesus paid the price. The only reason anybody has to go there is if, if they reject what he did. And then they're stuck in the realm of death forever. They're not interlaced. But right now, they're interlaced. They're interconnected. And we have to be willing to choose life. That's what this Chooser series is all about. See, John 10, 10 says, The thief comes <clears throat> to accept to steal, kill, and to destroy. We saw that back in the Garden of Eden. He's still up to the same thing today. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly our choices matter they matter they matter and we have to understand that we have to really begin to really really embrace that and there are things that are interconnected that sometimes we don't realize are interconnected 
Sometimes there are consequences to things and we don't realize that those consequences exist. My grandpa, I tell stories on him all the time. And I love my papa. And he's just a hoot. And he's had more like crazy accidents than, than anybody I've ever seen. And one time he was unloading a load of pipe out of the back of a truck. And there were all this messed up used pipe in the back of a truck all laid together. And he is, grabs a hold of a piece of pipe and is trying to pull it out of the bed of the truck just to throw it out at the dump. He was out there by himself. And he grabs the pipe and he pulls. And the first ones, you know, they all come out easy. And he pulls and pulls and pulls. And what he doesn't realize is this piece of pipe is bent. And this piece of pipe comes back out and it's a piece of pipe sitting head high. And so he wham, pulls and it takes loose and boom, nails him in the head and knocks him out cold. Knocks him out at the dump all by himself. Laid there for a little while, it started to rain, it had to be a miracle because in West Texas and Andrews it don't rain that much. And um, he uh, wakes up with the rain falling on his face. And, uh, but he didn't recognize that these things were interconnected. That I pull on this and there's going to be consequences over here. We want, we so want to have our lives itemized. And I can do this and I can make this decision and it has no consequence over here. It's all by itself. But it's just not the case. Everything is interlaced. Every little thing. The way that I treat my wife first thing in the morning is going to determine how she treats me when I come home at the end of the day. They're interconnected. I wish they weren't. Maybe I wake up a little grumpy. And I'm not talking to her. She's not the little grumpy. And um, anyways, and so, but I want them to not be interconnected. I want there to be no ex- consequences. Whenever I was, uh, I just learned to fly and was, had to fly down south to uh, uh, Del Rio and drop some people off. And I had a, a buddy of mine that was flying with me and I flew a, High wing airplane had a little Cessna, a little high wing, and uh, anyways, and it doesn't have a fuel pump. It just is a gravity-fed system. It fuels up high, engines down low, works great. Well, on the way back, it was a good little flight, and got bored. And I like to do dips where I'd get the plane up into a little bit of a climb, nose it over, and make stuff float. And so I had my logbook sitting there. And we would just float. And I'd set it on the dash and float it. He'd catch it out of the air. It looked awesome. So finally, I was like, dude, I wonder if I can float this logbook over your head into the back seat. That would just be awesome. Just float it right over your head. So Moses is like, yeah, go ahead and try. So he set it up there, and I get it up into a good climb. And then I just hammer it over real good. And sure enough, it gets right above his head. And then all of a sudden, boop, 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 boop quiet freaked me out big time engine is not working anymore in the middle of nowhere and i pull back instinctively and and level off and then boom engine fires right back up what i had not thought about is that in trying to float the book i floated the fuel in the wings i cut the fuel off thank goodness the mags were on the the propeller's still spinning. You get fuel. Everything's good again. I never, ever, ever did that again. <laughs> ever did that again. But we don't think about things being interconnected. I do this. It has this consequence. No, this is just fun. This is all cool. It has no consequence. So many things play out. So many times we don't realize how little act of kindness 
one little thing. All I did was say hello. All I did was, was, was say that I wanted to, to, <clears throat> to extend some, some love and some care to somebody. I didn't realize it was going to make this big of an impact on their lives. It makes a huge, huge difference. It makes a huge impact. And in our choosing, so many times what, what fogs the water is we have so much different input coming in. And we don't know where wisdom really lies. We don't know what's the best choice. And we need to understand that wisdom comes from God. It comes from God and it comes from God alone. And wisdom is God's grace to choose life. It's God's grace for us to choose life. That's what wisdom is. It's him giving us the cheat code. Because on our own, we won't figure it out. The Bible tells us that each of us have gone our own way. We're each astray. We're like lost sheep. We're not going the right direction. And wisdom is God's grace coming in and pointing us towards life. It changes. It absolutely changes everything. It's God's grace cutting through the confusion and showing us how to really, really live. See, 1 Corinthians 2, we're going to look at verse 12. It says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. And folks, that is what we want happening here and now. It's what we pray happening here and now. We don't want this to be like some little self-help seminar that, okay, you, you make this decision, you choose this, and here's a little way to, to, to be a little more optimistic about life and, and make life a little bit better. That's not what this is. This, we're wanting to connect with God's wisdom. We're wanting to connect with God's grace to cut through the clutter and bring us real life. That's what we want taking place. We want spiritual truths being taught with spiritual words. Because sometimes we come across things that we just don't know what to do. And everybody in the world will have their opinion. Everybody on the outside looking in will say, this is the way you need to handle it. And man, and there was a, there was a point that my dad had, a, um, of course, raising three kids. I was the oldest, have two younger sisters. And uh, both of my sisters are doing fantastic, of love God, raising great kids. And, uh, uh, but my youngest sister, Heather, when she was 16, had, a, had a, a period of time where she was just not making wise decisions. And so it, uh, things began to escalate and, and to just not go in a good direction. And uh, it ended up where she was, they actually, she was gone for a little while. And people didn't know where she was. And it freaked my parents out, rightly so. And I, by that point, I was married and living here. And, and, uh, and so we were all praying and they find my sister and, and uh, connect with her. And then my dad has just got her back home. She's locked up in her room by her own accord. She's, she's put my dad didn't lock her in there. And uh, she's there, hold up, and she's just mad. She's mad at the world. She's mad at everything. She, she knows she shouldn't be making these decisions and doing these different things. And my dad's just just totally at a loss as a dad. His heart is breaking, and he just doesn't know what to do. And in a place of prayer, my dad feels like that he is supposed to bake my sister cookies. Bake her cookies. All right, now I'm on the outside looking in. 
Okay? I'm the older brother. I'm not the one that has to make the decision. I don't have the grace for it. Um, I thought the cookie idea was stupid. Uh, you need to ground her. You need to take everything away. You need to just boom, boom, just bring it. That's what happened to me. Bring it. Come on, Dad. You know how to do this. Rally up. Come on, be Papa. And, um, and he, in a place of prayer, then he feels like he's simply supposed to bake her these cookies. That he had to do it. My dad never baked anything in my whole life growing up. But he felt like he himself was supposed to bake her cookies. And he baked her the most pathetic cookies anybody had ever seen. These did, cookies did not look like they were anointed or God-inspired at all. He burnt them. Gets the recipe. They were sad cookies. And he puts them on this plate. And he takes them into my sister's room. And just said, I love you. And I just made you these cookies. And she just broke. And she just began to cry. And her heart softened. She'd never seen her daddy step out and do something like that. And she was so ready for, for the punishment and so ready for that. And grace came in. And I tell you what, with the wisdom of God, it helps us in all places that we don't quite know what to do. But we feel so stuck. And we're like, I, I don't know this. And all of these voices are telling us this and this and this. And I tell you, that's where we've got to lean into the spirit of God. And sometimes God tells us to do something that just doesn't make sense. But God points us to life. He points us to life. James 3, 17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. First of all pure. Sometimes we hit in a situation, especially when we've been, feel attacked. And you know what? There'll be those people that take offense for you and their, their words to you, their advice to you are going to be retribution. Get even. Do all this. But wisdom that comes from heaven, it's first pure. And then peace loving. So many times we need to understand that God is bringing peace. And our thing we want to bring up and we want to churn it up and we want to take things to the next level. Say, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I have to do. And, but we have to remember that God's wisdom is peace loving and it is considerate. And oh my gosh, we hate this one as Americans. Submissive. Willing to push down our own wills and go, God, I want what's best for you and I want what's best for them. I'm submitting my own needs here we keep our own needs at the forefront we're never really going to hear the real wisdom that needs to be heard it's full of mercy and good fruit and impartial and sincere that's what the wisdom from heaven is second corinthians 1 12 says this is our boast our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so re <clears throat> relying not on worldly wisdom. Not on worldly wisdom. Not on worldly wisdom. And we would think that Paul would finish that with but God's wisdom. But he understood what we're talking about here. Wisdom is God's grace. But on God's grace. To reject worldly wisdom is to embrace God's grace in that situation. 
God's enabling power to see things transformed. See, Ephesians 1.5 says, if any of us lack wisdom, I tell you what, I hate nothing more than not having the answer. I hate it. I hate feeling stupid. I hate feeling at a loss. I hate feeling backed into a mental corner where I can't get well. I hate it. And God has had to work in me that I have to be quick to recognize it and ask for wisdom. And Because somewhere it feels like we're just admitting failure. Or we feel like if we don't know the right answer, we're going to get chewed out. How could you not know this? How can this not be the clear-cut thing? Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes our emotions cloud it. Sometimes we just don't see it. But if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. When we don't know what to do and we need some wisdom for a tough choice, the last thing in the world we need to do need is fault finding. The last thing in the world, moms and dads, and I'm speaking to myself here as a dad, our kids, we want them to come to us with tough decisions. But sometimes it's their foolishness that got there where all of a sudden they're needing some extra wisdom. And we've got to be willing to back off and not give the rear chewing that we so want to give for the foolish stuff. I'm, I'm speaking to me. And be able to speak in and speak life into that situation or we will push them out and they will not look to us ever again. And they'll go try to find wisdom somewhere else. See, God knows that, and that's why he doesn't rebuke us. When we go, God, I've got myself into this corner. I've done this thing, this dumb thing, this dumb thing, this dumb thing, and this dumb thing, and here I am, and I'm stuck, and we can go to God, and he's not going to go, oh, why are you coming to me now? You did this dumb thing, this dumb thing, this dumb thing, and this dumb thing. We expect that, but he doesn't do that. We have a promise in James 1.5. He's not going to do that from a heart of compassion. He's going to give us the answer. He's going to give us wisdom. We can go to him with this. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that, God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. If you've been around Celebration Church at all, you know that our prayer is that we want you to know God better and trust him more. It takes a spirit of wisdom and revelation to really understand who God is. It does. And folks, when it really comes for us getting wisdom, the greatest hurdle to our choosing God's wisdom are our own selfish desires. Whenever we really have something that we really do it, a lot of times and we, we, want, we want it our way, so many times we don't want to hear anybody's input. We don't want to hear God's input or anybody else's input. Because what if they disagree with me? And I want it this way. I want it done like this. And I'm going this direction and I don't care who likes it or who doesn't like it. And I'll tell you, we, as soon as that hits us, then I'm telling you what, we can be stiff-arming godly wisdom like crazy. We put it out there and we will fall into something foolish. See, the sad thing is, is we feel like when we have our own needs at the center, we feel like we're really protecting ourselves. And it's this tragic flaw that we have to, that we, the more that we center on our own desires, the more we hurt ourselves. We're wanting to not hurt ourselves, but then we end up doing it. 
And it's so counterintuitive. You really want for your life to be all that it can be? You really want God's wisdom and blessing to come in? Then quit trying to get what you want all the time and listen to what God wants. Because he only wants good. He only wants good for you. See, James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. Wherever you find it. Don't we wish that there could be a sign over the places? Woo! Here's, here we go. Here's disorder and every evil practice. We just don't go there. But guess what? It can show up anywhere. It can show up anywhere. It, folks, it can show up in church. Disorder in every evil practice. As soon as somebody gets envy and selfish ambition, things go off the rails, folks. Something that's supposed to be good and life-giving can get ugly in a hurry. And I'm so sorry if some of you have been hurt in some of that. By by church leaders or different people getting round up in envy and selfish ambition. But I'm telling you, it invites all sorts of messed up stuff. And you're like, well, Brandon, how does this? I get that, but how is this connected with wisdom? Let's look at the full passage. Let's back up a couple verses. James 3, verse 14 says, But if you harbor envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. Okay, understand that? Unspiritual. Okay. Ooh, this last word sounds mean. Demonic. That it's actually the devil at work in that wisdom. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But we already talked about this. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, and considerate, and submissive, and full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And what's countering that, what's countering God's wisdom? Our envy and our selfish ambition. We get that involved, and we push wisdom away. And there's a story that I want us to look at in uh, 1 Kings 12. We're familiar with the nation of Israel. Israel gave us Jesus, we are grateful for the people of God called Israel. That then they were looking for Messiah. They, the prophets told them that a Messiah was coming. Somebody was going to take care of our sin stuff was coming. Somebody had to be standing at the airport of humanity with the Messiah sign. And the nation of Israel, were, they were it. They greeted Jesus, Messiah. And let us know that the Savior had come. And we should be forever grateful for that. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, became a nation. And there were tons of kings. And you read about it all throughout the Old Testament. You know what? There were only four that reigned over united Israel. The first one, Saul. And it divided real quick. It didn't take too long. Things went crazy. And then King David comes about and things are back united again under King David. And then Solomon ruled for his life. And then there's the last guy. And we're going to look at him. Rolls for just a few months of united Israel. And his name's Rehoboam. And he had an ability, had an opportunity to make a wise decision. And he didn't do it. 
See, 1 Kings 12 tells us the story of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam rejected the advice that the elders gave him. And then he consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. The people that were ahead of him, that were giving him some good counsel, he said, ah, I don't like that. So he went and found somebody else, some of his buddies, some of his peers, some of them that said, no, 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 we're going to do it a different way. And what it was is Solomon was tough. He was hard-nosed. He worked the people hard. And the people came to, to Rehoboam and said, look, please, just back off of our workload a little bit, and we'll serve you greatly. We'll, we'll be happy to do this. And he's like, give me a few days to think about this. The older guy said, look, if you'll do your first act as king is to be generous to these people, they will love you forever. He's like, eh, I don't really like that. My dad was hard-nosed. I'm going to be hard-nosed. Comes over here and talks to his buddies, and they're like, no, don't do what those guys said. You tell them that, that, that <coughs> they, were, they scourged that your daddy was this tough. You shall tell them you are way tougher than your dad. So he's like, all right, that sounds good to me. I'm going to the next level. He goes, and that day he makes that decree. You know what? I'm not going to make your lo load easier. I'm going to make it harder. You think my daddy was tough? I'm going to be way tougher. Whoop. Nine, <coughs> the, the bulk of the tribes of Israel, whoop, pull out. And it's just one that's left. He got to rule over just a little bitty teeny fraction. All of a sudden, they just, they leave. Because he would not listen to wisdom. The entire nation of Israel was never united ever again, ever. To this day, never united again because he was unwilling to listen to wisdom. And you and I, we have to be willing to listen to wisdom. We have to choose wisdom. And see, wisdom is something that we can grow in. Even Jesus grew in it. Luke 2.52, it says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. Jesus himself grew in this as from his birth through when his ministry began. Jesus grew in this. And we have to begin to understand that. That choosing wisdom means for you and I choosing Jesus. That's what it means. It's looking to him extra strong because he has been made wisdom for us. He shows us how to be wise. 1 Corinthians 1.30 It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That Jesus has been made wisdom for us. Everything that we need for life and godliness comes to us from God through Jesus. Everything. See, Matthew 7, 24 through 25 says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, we've heard this story, this parable in church over and over and over again. The parable of the sower, the seed. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. What's the rock? What's that strong foundation? It's the wisdom that comes from God. That's what makes the absolute difference. Just uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, 
Uh, we were at Mr. Gaddy's, and of course they have all their games and all that stuff, and they have some things where you can win some things. And most of the game, you like you dump tokens in it, you never win anything. And uh, Brooklyn comes in. We were eating our pizza. I didn't go play any games this day. Sometimes I do. I enjoy a good game. And uh, Brooklyn comes in, and all of a sudden she's won some Beats. She's won some Beats headphones, $150 set of headphones out of this little machine there, and it had everything had to be lined up just right for things to come through. As soon as Brooklyn has those beats, she said, little kids started coming up. Saying, Take my token. Win this for me. I want that. I want that. I want that. They immediately, they saw the results. They saw the results, and they wanted that. They wanted it immediately. They wanted somebody to do it on their part. The thing is that so many times that's what we want. We see, begin to see somebody winning in life or these different things. And we're like, oh, oh, please, some, just help me. Just do it for me. And see, what it is is we can lean into Christ. He wants us to do it. He wants us to do it. He wants us to make that connection. He wants us to sit there and to, and <clears throat> to step into that. That is what this is about. It's not about, about having another person do it. Jesus already made the big win. That's why Jesus is our wisdom for us. Colossians 2 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As we seek Jesus, we're getting it all, folks. As we seek Jesus, we're getting everything that we need. Everything that we need. And I want to close with Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He understands that we're having struggles. He understands that we don't see everything clearly all the time. We have one who was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Like, wait a second. You mean Satan threw the the be dishonest thing at Jesus? Yes. Jesus was tempted to be dishonest. Wait a minute. He threw the uh, he threw the be mean and hateful thing at Jesus. Yes, he was tempted to be. It says he was tempted in every way. You mean he threw the 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 little girl in the short skirt at Jesus? He threw the sexual temptation card at Jesus. Yes, it says he was tempted in every way, but without sin, he did not give into it. He did not go there. He did not fall into that trap. He said no. See, folks, this is where why Jesus is wisdom for us. We get into these hard situations. We get in these places. And sometimes we think that it's wrong for us to even be tempted. And therefore, we can't call out for wisdom. And go, God, what, am I, what do I need to do? I'm here in this situation. I'm being tempted for this. As if it, and we feel like sometimes we're like, well, I shouldn't even be tempted. I'm wrong that I was tempted. No, the tempter tempts. That's what the tempter does. He tempts us. The problem is when we own it, when we run it, we begin to to scheme with him. Oh, that's a good idea. 
how do we get this done? Yeah, now we've gone down an unhealthy road. But just because the enemy throws something at us, that's when we need to call out for wisdom the most. That's when we need to do it the most. Whenever these bad choices are coming in and we're right on the edge. And you can be honest with God and go, God, yeah, I really, I'm really thinking about doing this. You're like, seriously, you can be that honest with God? Yes. Yes. God, I'm thinking about doing this. Help me to make a good decision. It's like, all right, here it is. Here's wisdom. Here's why. Here are the consequences. Here are these different things I have for you life. And this is what unfolds if you'll make this decision. And you're like, boom, I'm out of here. That's the stuff I want. I want life. And that's what he's leading us in. That's what he's leading us in. But he was without sin. So let us then, (laughs) I love this scripture, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If you don't consider being in a place where you are tempted to make a death decision, As a time of need, you need to redefine a time of need. And you're in a place that you're about to make a decision that's going to have negative consequences to you and those you love. That is a time of need, and you can approach God's throne of grace in the middle of that, and he'll give us help and grace in that point. Those that begin to break loose, you have the pills in your hand, and you go, God, I'm about to do this again. God, help me. You can't pray in that situation. God, I've already had X many, and I'm about to cross over. I know how many is too much. God, well, you've already, why are you praying now? Pray now. Do it then. It's in your time of need. That's when all of a sudden life choices begin to shift, and we get to go into new places, and we get to live like we've never lived before. And if we won't do this, we will be stuck in the same ruts we've always been in. Because the reason we've stayed there is we've not called out to God in our time of need. That's where wisdom is. That's where his love is. That's where his grace is. That's why there's no penalty and he doesn't rebuke us or slap us around. And go, well, why are we praying about whether or not to have the X number of beer? Why didn't you just avoid all? No, he doesn't treat us that way. He says wisdom. Put it down. Walk away. Don't get drunk what the bible will tell you it's what the holy spirit will tell you don't do this don't do that choose this choose that that's what god will do it on the inside and lead us to wisdom because it gives us life see god desires to take each of us forward with him and this forward growth happens choice by choice let's choose to follow him and choose life i love it that people get in this environment are open to god's wisdom and for some life-giving decisions. And you know what? And we're about to have an eternity-changing decision in just a second. But you know what? The bulk of your decisions are made. They're not made right here. And they're not even made a small group. They're made as you live. And they're made in the valley of your time of need. Please, please feel free. God's inviting you to call him in there. To invite him into that place. That's where everything changes. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to do that. We want to create an opportunity where you say, you know what, Brandon? I need this grace. I need this relationship with God. That Jesus paid it all, and I'm going to embrace it. And if that's you, then we're gonna, everybody's going to help me create a quiet moment. Nobody looking around. 
And I want you to just lift your hand up and say, hey, I want that. I want this Jesus. I want this, not the religious junk that everybody shoves down your throat with it. I want the relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, then I want you to just embrace it. Raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you, God. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. These words I'm about to lend you, these aren't magic words. What makes the difference is you owning them. So let's pray together. Believers, just put your voices with them. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus. That he died for me so that I could have life. That my sin issue is forever dealt with. I'm your child. And nothing's going to change that. And Lord, I thank you for being wisdom for me. And I'm going to call on you in my time of need. And you're going to give me wisdom. And my life's going to change. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Woo! Makes the difference. It makes the difference. Folks, stand up. I want to encourage you this week to end your time of need. And I'm telling you right now, I'm praying for it, that it is going to come back to your remembrance. You're going to get into your normal routine, into the normal thing, and find yourself at the normal place where you tend to have a trip up. And I'm praying right now that, that this is going to come to your mind, that you're going to be able to call on God and say, God, just help me to... Help me to choose different. Show me where wisdom is. And I'm telling you, things are going to begin to shift for you. Things you've been hitting your head on seemingly your whole life are going to begin to change for you. I promise you that if you'll just call out to him. I promise you. Heavenly Father.